Welcome to the Husband Material Podcast, where we help Christian men outgrow porn. Why? So you can change your brain, heal your heart, and save your relationship. My name is Drew Boa, and I'm here to show you how. Let's go. Hey, man. Thank you so much for listening to my episode with Alex Avila on emotional safety. You are about to learn what emotional safety is. Maybe you've never heard that before. Maybe you've never been taught this. Like me, I grew up not even knowing what emotional safety was. You will also learn why putting up your guard and protecting yourself is not necessarily a bad thing, especially around unsafe people. Today, Alex is going to help us learn how to identify unsafe people and also cultivate emotional safety with our closest relationships. If you don't feel fully safe in your friendships, in any of the communities that you're in, or perhaps even with your own partner, this episode is for you. It's going to help you understand what's going on in your body, what you truly need, and how to become a safe person for others. You are going to learn how to become a safer person and why emotional safety is so important for outgrowing porn. In Alex's words, our most vital relational need is to be emotionally safe for others and ask others to be safe for us. We cannot truly connect with anyone if we don't feel safe in their presence and can't be ourselves as we face them. We only share to the degree we feel safe. So here's to emotional safety. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Husband Material. Today we are talking with Alex Avila, who is the author of Emotional Safety, honoring yourself while creating trust and presence to experience meaningful relationships. Alex is also the author of 40 Forms of Intimacy, and he is a professor in the pastoral sex addiction professional program that I got to do, although I didn't get to have him as my professor. Man, I'm so glad to be with you today. Well, thank you, Drew. It's an honor to share with you. I'm so glad for what you do and how you get passionate about this and share wonderful content, give people hope. Uh, Thank you so much. You're welcome. Why are you so passionate about emotional safety? Uh, Well, I, I don't know if we learn this stuff growing up, right? They, we, we try to instinctively share with some people, maybe not share with others, but to really understand this concept, um, I, I talk about it. I try to provide it to people as best as I can as a therapist. And I just wanted more people to know about it, to break down the topic. And that's why I wanted to write the book. Absolutely. So what is your definition of emotional safety? So it's kind of a long one. You got to hang in there, but it's in the book, but I'm going to read it. Um, so it, I, I feel emotionally safe when I can easily overcome my calculated emotional risk and share deeper thoughts, feelings, and needs without hesitation. I can share with a specific person because fear of rejection, criticism, and ridicule are mostly absent or non-existent. I don't feel minimized, unheard, unimportant, unseen, abandoned, or neglected because I shared. Overall, I feel free to be myself. And after I share, I'm completely confident that I'll be okay. This person will still be there with me because his or her response and loving presence assure me that I'll feel seen, cared for, and valued. So a really packed definition there. Mm. Man, that sounds so good. Yeah, I, I really think it's attainable where we can 
get that. We can protect ourselves. We can ask for safety. We'll get into that a little bit more, but it's something we all need in order to be ourselves and to connect deeply with others. Yeah. It's so interesting to hear you say that we can protect ourselves and connect and feel that safety. Right. I don't think we have to completely lower our guard or have no boundaries when we're connecting, even with people really close to us, our family members, a spouse, children. Um, I think a lot of times we still have our guard up. We're at least aware of when certain feelings in us get activated and it prompts us. It sets us off in a certain direction. That's our internal protective system to either protect, not share, kind of hesitate, pull back, or hey, maybe I can trust this person. I can take that calculated risk and go a little deeper with them. Mm-hmm. We often talk about how vulnerability is really important and it's important to take down our walls and let go of our protection. Yet you're saying that sometimes it's actually a really good thing and that we actually need to keep our guard up. We do. I think I, I call it the bouncer, the emotional bouncer or the emotional <laughs> security guard in the book. Um, I just think anytime we're in an interaction with anybody, so it could be again, a family member, a neighbor, coworker, but especially as you think of if we're in recovery groups, we're with a therapist and we have to have our guard up. So we can't hire an emotional stuntman. You know, we're always there, right? We're going to feel it and we can stay aware. We can build our, our sense of protection. Um, our heart guardians, I call it too. These are protective figures within us. Really, it's our intuition. So as I talk about in the book about those different layers that we allow people or invite people in, um, we don't have to bring everybody into those deeper places until we feel safe. Yeah. Yeah. You talk about level A, which is kind of the surface level of talking about everyday stuff. And then level B is a little bit more emotional and deep. And level C is intense. Yeah. Sometimes we have to keep it on the surface. And that's often when we're starting a new relationship or again, we're just dipping our toe in the water. But you know, we talk about the weather, we talk about things that aren't going to activate a lot of feelings. You know, B, yep, a little little deeper is going to have some feelings, but C is the really deep stuff. And this is something that, you know, we might not share with anybody. You know, someone's asking the right questions and we feel comfortable sharing with them. Then we're able to reveal some of that, you know, C level type of material about us. Yeah. I love how you have this balance of saying we need to be able to share deeply and be vulnerable. And we get to choose who we do that with. And it's really important to keep that group pretty small. We can't go deep, I don't think, with a lot of people. But if there's one, if there are a few that we really feel we can be ourselves and invest in that, you know, take those risks and be vulnerable, um, we can really feel intimacy with those people. Yeah, that's so awesome. And the reality is we will not feel that with most people. No, and even people that we are connected to are going to let us down at times. So even our, our really completely safe people, and they're still human. So we're, we have to just see that. Um, and we might have to put our guard up, but hopefully when we're with a safe person, we can have those conversations. That's the important part is being able to request safety or to share with someone honestly, like, hey, what you did right there really hurt. Or the way you didn't respond to me for a few days or 
um, the way you know you were talking or talked about me in front of other people, I felt embarrassed. So there there can be conversations we have that help us bring back the the sense of safety. Mm. You are so right that we did not learn how to do this. Like, especially for little boys, I'm thinking of how it's very often for young girls to be taught in a Christian setting to guard your heart and make sure you keep your boundaries. But little boys, I feel like as a boy, I didn't get that teaching. Like, how do how do I guard my heart? How do I request safety? It's like, is that even a manly thing to do? Right. Most of us didn't learn that. Maybe a lot of us didn't have that modeled in our families growing up. You know, maybe it was our grandfathers, you know, that they're working at different generations and, and those cultural messages came through is, you know, boys don't cry and, and kind of man up. You know, I really don't like that statement at all, <laughs> but um, that's what we hear. We hear you're just supposed to fight through it. You know, you're supposed to figure it out. Don't ask for help. No, I think those are the three hardest words for us to say as humans, especially as Ben, I need help. But we've been kind of fashioned that way where we're just supposed to figure it out on our own. And to be in need of help has us feel or seem needy. And that's probably the least masculine thing we've been taught to, to show is that I need somebody else. So culturally, we have these ideas about how we're not supposed to have needs as men. Uh, we're supposed to be tough. Uh, even the idea of requesting safety feels weak. Um, whereas what I'm seeing in this book is it's actually a sign of strength to be able to do that. Um, and yet there are other cultural barriers to emotional safety. Um, racism and other cultural factors uh, come into play. So how can that affect our sense of emotional safety. Yeah, I think first we have to challenge those messages, you know, and especially as men, if we're in a group with other men, you know, especially in recovery and talking about deep and real things, we we're doing it, right? We're building intimacy, but just to talk about what's happening is one thing. So if a group facilitator can bring that up, you know, they can broach that like what's really happening right now or hey, this is unnatural for us to do this, to share on this level, yet you're doing that, you know, and, and to slow that down as therapists, we're going to ask that, you know, what is it like to share like that? Um, I do that often in my groups, my men's sexual recovery groups, you know, where I hear that every week, thankfully, that these guys are providing such a safe environment for each other that you know, they can't talk about these certain things with other people. And I also share with them that, you know, you're in the small percentage of people that will see a therapist that will go to a group that will do anything to better themselves, you know, because you've overcome that vulnerability. Sometimes we end up in groups and in therapy because of you know, what we've done. And, you know, hopefully we turn that into personal growth and, and our goals and our focus and our desire to be there changes, but um, it's, it's hard. I just really think people that are fighting for their growth, fighting for their relationships, you know, are really doing something that's rare. Um, a lot of us don't you know, intentionally craft our relationships. We do that for our careers, our hobbies. We'll take classes. We'll buy expensive gear. We'll invest all this time and energy and money. But for our relationships, a lot of times we don't. You know, for just our personal growth, we don't. So I think we all have the power to be generation changers. We can all take a step 
Yeah, we could take a step, do something very differently than what we grew up with and and change the people around us, even those that aren't in our family and inspire other people because we are taking those steps and it's going well. And if it's not going well, we've you know calculated our risk and it didn't go, we can't control the other side. We can still process that and and move on and but not give up, not stop working on bettering ourselves and our relationships. Amen. So I want to talk to everyone listening and say thank you, especially as a man, for investing the time and energy today in emotional safety. Wow. Yeah, just listening to this, right? Uh, investing in yourself through books, through therapy, through podcasts, through all the resources. There are a lot of resources out there and there, there, that there weren't about a decade ago. You know, we didn't have all this and we're learning so much more about addiction, about vulnerability, about relationships. You know, we, the great thing is we can learn together. You know, as you're listening to podcasts, if you're in groups, you're talking with guys as you're hunting or doing whatever activity, you, know, you can be that inspiration. You can be that model for someone else to kind of break that mold and like, Hey, I'm going to talk about my feelings. And I was sad and I, just overcoming that barrier to start can feel daunting, but you know, we can do it. Yes, we can. Alex, why is emotional safety so important for men outgrowing porn? Yeah, I think the opposite of, of safety, the opposite of vulnerability, the opposite of connection becomes addiction. So we become addicted to whatever else it is. It, it, a lot of people, it's workaholism. You know, it can be, you know, I'm addicted to avoidance. You know, that's something I have guys look at, almost put avoidance in those other places. Um, we use the three circles model from Patrick Carnes. So I have guys in the red circle. That's what we're avoiding. That's what we're staying sober from. I have them put avoidance in there because wow. if I'm avoiding, I'm not being present. I've filled my life with all these things, but especially I can't be present in my relationships. I can't build safety in my relationships. I can't repair betrayal trauma if I'm not present, if I'm not um, listening, if I'm not validating, all these things that build emotional safety. I can't do any of that if I'm still actively filling this void with these other things that take me away you know, from the important people around me. So it's important because the lack of emotional safety is oftentimes the foundation of addiction, uh, whether to pornography or something else. And yet there's also a sense in which we need to become safe men. We need to become emotionally safe, especially for our partners. One of the big takeaways for me from the book was realizing the difference between becoming defensive and feeling protective because it's really common in conflict between couples, especially when porn has been a part of it, for us to become defensive. Um, but you're also saying we can do something differently and still protect ourselves. So what is that difference? Right, the Protection is, a, is an emotional survival skill. Right. We need to protect ourselves just like we protect ourselves, you know, from physical harm. You know, we put on protective gear. If we're going to go do an activity, or even put our seatbelt on in the car when we're driving, we are protecting ourselves physically, but protecting our emotions that also helps us survive. 
And unfortunately, it can end up with avoidance, suppression of those emotions. We're not experiencing that. Um, and then trauma, right? Trauma, especially with addiction, trauma is at the root of a lot of addiction. A lot of the relationship trauma that we've had, you know, that's all, all these things threaten emotional safety. So, so we need that. So we don't want to lose our, our protective gear. So we can still be protective over ourselves. But I've seen this, I, I started coming up with this idea when I, I work a lot with couples and I saw that, I wonder if he's just protecting himself and that's why he's not sharing or you know, she's, she's angry. Um, and again, I work primarily with couples who are recovering from betrayal in the relationship. So um, there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of pain under that anger. So both partners need to protect themselves. And so I, I really saw basically protection is an emotional survival skill and defensiveness is a relational behavior. So the behavior can lack empathy, right? We can show up and not validate someone, not listen to them. And that's not protection. That's defensiveness, but we might protect ourselves because we're in pain and we don't want more pain. So you're saying protection is super important. And sometimes defensiveness can actually get in the way of that because it's unsafe. Right. So when we're defensive, we're shutting down, right? We might be arguing. We might be defending our point. We might be, we want to be heard. So when we're trying to explain, when a couple is in an argument, um, they're trying to explain something um, before they validate and truly listen and show up and provide that safety, that response that says, I see you, I hear you, you matter to me. And they, that's going to look like defending. So we want to make sure that we're validating first. So again, if we explain before we validate, we are probably defending. And when we defend, we're, we're keeping somebody else away from us. We're not allowing them access to us. So we're not providing safety. We might not even be ready to receive if someone else is being safe for us and inviting us into a, a deeper conversation because we're so busy defending in the behavior. And that's where we get stuck in those cycles. And you know, we're, we're withdrawing or we're pursuing or we're you know, just really upset. We're getting angry. We're arguing, trying to convince someone to see things our way, but we just get stuck on the surface and we're, we're not able to get to that deeper place because we're, we're so you know, set on being right sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you help couples work through this so that they can reestablish connection and intimacy and rebuild trust. And yet there are other relationships which are toxic, where we need to remove ourselves. And especially with unsafe people. So how can we identify emotionally unsafe people? Right. If you think about Maybe you've had a boss or neighbor or friend. Maybe it was a former partner or spouse, but you know the way people treat us, sometimes we see that we just know something's not right. Sometimes there's a big power differential and it's really a lot how people treat us and we're not going to feel safe. We know it. There's this internal protective system that tells us this is not okay. Good my gut. Feeling, yeah. You're, it's going to show up a lot in your gut, right? And chest tension, shoulders, whatever, your body's going to tell you, hey, something's not right here. So when we listen to that, 
you know, that again, it's an internal protective system. It's trying to keep us safe. Um, and we like, why do, why am I feeling that every time I talk to this guy or I have a meeting with this person, I end up feeling challenged. I end up feeling inadequate. I end up feeling like I just don't want to be here. You know, so in general, our body's going to tell us that we're going to get that sense, but you know, there are several checkpoints I identified in the book and it can be detachment. We want someone, especially we're in a relationship with to be close to us, to be involved, to be present. So when they're detached, they're distracted, have the phone in their face. Um, they're not really listening, staying present with us. We can't rely on them to consistently care for us. Um, that's going to hurt. So it can be very harmful. So actually another unsafe behavior that people can do is that avoidance that I was talking about. So if they keep things on the surface, you know, they are staying only in that A level and they're not going deep, um, but maybe we are and they're not validating us. So we're taking that risk and they're not matching us at that place of vulnerability. We might not feel safe. So um, we're going to avoid them. If it's people that are gossiping or secretive, you know, think about people at work, um, other places, other environments. If, if we don't feel like we can share and we have to withhold, anytime we withhold something, that's a sign. Like even with our partner, our kids, anybody, if we hit the pause button, we're like, oh, I better not share this. Or I wish I could share this, but we kind of talk ourselves out of it because we already know how they're going to respond and they're not going to respond positively or maybe not at all. So all of a sudden, you know, that unsafe behavior, just avoiding us or not being present and like we need them to, that's going to have us pulling away and protecting ourselves. Right. Especially if maybe you're not sure if you should tell your partner about your most recent relapse. Um, it's probably not going to feel safe. And yet I would want to distinguish between feeling safe and being comfortable. I think you talk about this too. Like um, there's a difference between safety and feeling comfortable. Right. And, and I don't want people to think safe. We want to just stay safe where we're not growing. It's not that kind of safe, you know, safe in the familiar. And I don't want to take a risk. Um, again, this is calculated risk. I, I know I'm taking a risk. So I know I'm going to be uncomfortable anytime we're pursuing something you know, worth having um, and growing, there's going to be stress, there's going to be discomfort. And that's okay. But when we feel unsafe with somebody, um, that's very different, because that's ha having us again, protect ourselves, pull away, not share, not be who we are. And something just doesn't sit right in us when we have to keep filtering, you know, ourselves, and especially with our closest people. We want to be able to be ourselves. We don't want to have to tiptoe around and we want to be known. We do. And we also want to be safe at the same time. Like, how do you state this? How do you tell someone I need safety? How do you take that risk and, and let them know, hey, I want to be closer to you. But when you do this, this, and this, you know, that has me pulling away. So you, you're kind of narrating what's happening but also revealing a little bit more about what's going on in your head. These things that prompt, activate that fear and prompt you to move away. It, when we're able, when we feel safe enough to tell someone that, you know, and we can request that change. Hey, can you please do this instead? 
You know, can we sit down and talk? Can we slow down or lower our voices? Um, I really want to talk about this with you, but when we start to talk faster or louder, I start to feel anxious and I, I want to walk out of the room. If I always think there's a big difference between talking it out instead of acting it out. When you're with, you know, your partner and you're in a relationship, you could talk about it, like I just said, or you can act it out and just walk out. But if you can say, hey, you know what? Everything in me is telling me to run right now, but I know you need me to be present for you. And as hard as it can be, especially repairing betrayal, I'm walking toward the flames. That's what often a betrayed partner needs for the healing is come toward me. I might be angry. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say some things. Hopefully not these things that that really you know, tear you down, but I'm going to be hurt. I'm going to be triggered and I'm I'm not going to be easy sometimes to, I guess, get along with or when things are activated. So, but please come toward me. Don't give up on me. You know, please listen to me. Please validate. We're really desperate sometimes for someone to see our pain and come toward us and sit in it. And I think as men, we want to be fixers. So we want that. What's the bullet point? Sometimes we're just listening for the bullet points and like, okay, what am I supposed to do here? But we have to remember that emotional presence, just being there, sometimes being quiet. Sometimes we need to say some words. Um, being quiet can also be a trigger. But if we are there, we're present. You know, we're listening to them, genuinely listening. We do care about their pain. That immediately starts to soothe the pain. I always think if, if a betrayed partner is so busy spending energy trying to convince someone to see her pain, she's not able to be present. She's not able to ask for these other things or even do all these other things that help the re the relationship work well because we're just busy trying to be validated. And this is so important for our friendships too. Definitely. We need everybody to show up for us. Anybody that we're trying to be connected to that we want in our lives, you know, we we need to have those conversations um, and talk about these risky things that can be vulnerable and that might have a friend responding like, you know what, I don't see it that way. And we might have disagreement, but I think friendship bonds, um, intimate bonds with, between couples, you know, parent, children, when we get honest and we can be respectful, you know, we're tactfully transparent, we're considerate of how we are going to say things that builds intimacy. I mean, intimacy is on the other end of vulnerability, but if we don't ever take that risk, we might not ever get as close to our important people as we want to. Yeah. And while it might be daunting to try to learn this skill that we never learned while growing up, we can take baby steps. What are some baby steps you would recommend? in developing emotional safety? I think the first thing we need to do is begin to know ourselves more. We need to know what we're thinking, what we're feeling, what we're needing. Um, when we pay attention to that, uh, we have a lot of accurate information again. And then we know too, when we're around certain people, what has us feeling comfortable with them and safe or not. So um, when we hesitate to share certain things, we obviously need to grow our sense of safety. So I, I think the first step, baby step is knowing ourselves, paying attention to our thoughts, feelings. I think from there, we can identify what we need. So it could be that we need someone 
and to speak in a kinder tone to us. Uh, we need someone to just sit down and listen, to look us in the eyes, really to reassure us, tell us it's going to be okay. Um, another baby step might be um, we want to start to meet people um, <clears throat> and through friends, like go deeper with a few people. So if there's somebody we already know in a, a current environment that's familiar, it could be workplace or church or neighborhood, but um, taking that risk, you know, can I go deeper with this person? I, what do I like about this person? This person is giving me some, some feelings that like I might be able to go deeper with them. So friends of friends, sometimes they're already screened out. Right? So they're sometimes safer, not always. So we don't want to just completely let our guard down. But if we feel comfortable with a friend who has a friend, sometimes that adds that it kickstarts that connection. Totally. And how can we become safer men? And as you explain, how can we practice safer love? Right. I use that acronym in the book, safer love. So the S is slow and soft. And then A is appreciation. F is feelings. E is empathy. R is responsibility. And then listening. L is listening. O is openness. V is validation. And E is empowerment. So when we show up to conversations with people, practicing safer love. I mean, we're just being aware of this. We're not going to be perfect, but if we can be aware of you know, the first one, right? Can I slow down what I'm saying? Can I give the other person room? Can I speak in a softer tone with them? Sometimes people perceive a tone that we're not intending to send. So we need to be aware of that. If somebody's let us know, like the way you said that to me really hurt because we could be kind of shooting ourselves in the foot sometimes if we're not aware of how we send that message. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll share a couple more appreciation. Anytime we enter a conversation with gratitude and an attitude of kindness, um, I think that helps that person just feel a little bit more at ease. And maybe they're even grateful to be with us and be present with us. Um, so feelings is the next one. I think we're, when we first assess our feelings before we share them and on a surface level, maybe that A or B and then also a C, it'll be so much easier to share. And that's how we you know, develop these meaning, meaningful relationships is by sharing feelings. And I know a lot of guys who are in recovery and needing to do these check-ins. There are a few frameworks out there that are really good for checking in with a spouse to kind of let them know where we are. Um, the Thanos is a popular one that helps. So feelings is in there, right? Feelings is, is in Thanos. So um, when we do that in, in advance, so if we're aware as an individual, what am I feeling you know, on a surface level? What am I feeling on a deeper level? And just to get used to that, you know, maybe every day of what's going on with me, with work, with you know, my relationship with life and, and just to stay aware of that. Um, and hopefully we can bring that to a check-in, you know, with our spouse or partner, or we can just simply be aware of when these feelings get activated. So, and then empathy, I'll share that last one, you know, empathy is important to me. We connect with someone else and 
we want to understand. We never fully understand someone's feelings until they tell us. We can guess and be right a lot of the time, but um, we might need to ask that. You know, help me understand what's going on with you. What are you feeling right now? And just being curious, being caring for them, and what's going on. That that is empathy, and empathy is absent. I think of any solution. Sometimes empathy is the solution. You know, we just have to be there. And I think sometimes as problem solvers, men or women who who like structure, we like bullet points, we're like, okay, where's the fix in this? We might sometimes have a little anxiety there, but you know, the empathy, the compassion, how you show up, you show up with that genuine compassion. And that other person knows without a doubt, like, oh, you're really here and you care. Like it starts to soothe any kind of pain and it starts to build a bridge back to connection. I love that so much. And this acronym is super helpful. S-A-F-E-R-L-O-V-E. I'm going to put the summary in the show notes as well as a link to the Thanos check-in as well as a link to Alex's book, Emotional Safety. You can also show up to our live Q&A that we're going to do because there are so many directions we could go with talking about emotional safety. I'm sure there are all kinds of questions coming up. So if you would like to enter our little giveaway to get a copy of this, then show up to our live Q&A. You can register for that inside the Husband Material community. It's totally free. It's private. It's confidential. And this is a community where we are practicing exactly what we're talking about today. We're trying to create an emotionally safe space for men, which is unfortunately not very common. Alex, thank you for teaching us the emotional and relational skills we need to be mature men of God. What is your favorite thing about emotional safety? The hopeful part of it is we can all practice it. Um, I think it's learnable. It's attainable. We, we can develop our abilities to see when emotional safety is not there, right? We could see it. Um, we can ask for it. We don't just have to sit there and say, if I'm just not going to have that. So we can be free from that. If somebody else is doing something and we're not feeling safe, we don't have to own their stuff. We don't have to think something's wrong with me. Right. Maybe something is right with me because I don't feel safe. Right. We're listening to that those signals, those cues. But I think most of all, I think being feeling emotionally safe helps us connect to a greater purpose and and to to know someone deeply and to be known deeply, authentically. I think that's what we really want. So I think that's probably my favorite thing about emotional safety is is to be known to it's emotional safety is a pathway toward intimacy with other men, with with our partner, with our friends, and it's attainable. We can all learn more about this. We can all ask for it. We can all get there. So good. And a great next step to doing that is checking out Alex's book, joining our community if you want to be a part of our event that we're going to do. And gentlemen, always remember that you are God's beloved son. In you, he is well pleased. 